to be able to be able to speak today. I haven't preached in six months, so I'm going to be rusty. And I apologize for that up front. Um, but I'm very thankful to, to be able to, to be at home and be able to, to, to have the emotion that, that I seen this morning. Uh, and the, and the, the Scotty leading the singing, very good, good job. Adam doing the, the, the Lord's Supper, great. And, and Chad's prayer. Uh, was wonderful as well. I'm thankful to be able to be here. And Kim and I are very thankful to be able to come and, and be with you. Uh, we usually come on Wednesday nights um, because on Sundays we're in Savannah. Uh, but at this time, I mean, I'm just thankful to be able to speak. You know, as I thought about the lesson today, I wanted to think about a lesson of, of what if this was the last sermon I ever preached? You know, I've preached for 25 years and I hadn't preached in six months, but what if today was the last lesson that I ever preached? What is it that I want you to know? What is it that I, that I want you to, to remember from today? Howard North was a great preacher that preached in Madison at one of the largest congregations ever in the churches of Christ. And he used to always say you need to have at least three points. Well, I got a little more than three. But Bulldog reminded me this morning I had to go short. So I'm not sure how many of these points, and I'm going to get them all, but, but I promise not to drag it out. I do. If, I, if this was the last sermon I ever preached on this earth, here's what I want you to know. Number one, I want you to know that God loves you. And, and you know, the, the thing is, people say that all the time, right? And it's got to the point that maybe we don't even think that that's a big deal. But when Jehovah God loves you, and it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you're going through right now. God loves you. And He knows your name. The Bible says that He even knows how many hairs are upon your head. Now, is that something that God sits around and keeps, you know, tries to keep a figure of? What does that really mean to us? Now, God does know every hair that's on your head. But God knows everything about you. He knows your heart. He, he knows what you're thinking right now. He, he, he knows what, uh, you know, what you're thinking about maybe for lunch. I hope you're not thinking about that already. But He knows everything about you. And y'all, He still loves you. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loved us so much that He gave us the ultimate gift. And as we sing about the cross this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about that when we get to the second point, but, but that cross is so significant to us. It's not the cross per se, it's who was on the cross. God loves you so much. And I want to tell you something. It doesn't matter what you do in your life. God loves you. You see, the word love in, in, in the King James or whatever translation you use, it, it is the word agape, which I've, I've told people for years what that means is, I mean, if you look in, into the Greek lexicon, it means love. Well, it means love, but it means I choose to love you. It's not that you've done anything to deserve it. And honestly, folks, how many of us have done anything ever to deserve the love that God has for us. The Bible tells us if we do everything right, if we've done everything right, 
we're still a worthless servant. But God loves me anyway, and He loves you too. So, you know, if the last sermon I ever preach, I want you to know truly that God loves you. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, the Bible says, But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God commended His love to me and you. When? When we were perfect? When we were righteous? When we were doing everything right? No, when we were sinners, Christ died for us. Please don't ever forget that God loves you. And again, it doesn't matter where you are in life today. As you sit here this morning, it tells me one thing, at least you're interested in God. At least you care. Because how many people did I pass this morning coming coming to, to worship that were doing everything else? There's people everywhere doing other things, but you chose this morning to come. But you know the thing is, God loves everybody. He loves the entire world. Rick, this morning in his Bible class, he was talking about us, how our responsibility as Christians is to, to open the veil so that the world can see. That's true. And part of that is showing them the love that God has for us. Secondly, this morning... Not only does God love you, Jesus loves you. When you think about Jesus and we think about what He went through, as Adam talked about a little bit at the table, Jesus left the throne of glory and came to earth. He he was God and became God in the flesh. Colossians 2 verse 9 tells us. He walked among us. He, He lived among us. It was God putting on humanity. Can you imagine? Why would He do that? Because He loves us. Because He he really cares about each and every one of us. He lived upon the earth. He went through tons and tons of trials. He was tempted by Satan. We have the three temptations in Matthew 4, but there were many more. He was tempted all the time to sin. But He didn't. He did not know sin, but He became sin for us. Jesus went to the cross and He gave His life on the cross of Calvary for who? Don't say for everybody else. He did it for me, right? Put your name there. Jesus died on the cross for you. Yeah, but I'm not worthy of that. No, you're not. Neither is anybody else. Jesus died on the cross... For all of us, every single one of us, our sins, our frailties, our problems, our issues, it doesn't matter. Jesus died there for each and every one of us. He was willing to lay down His life right there on that cross. In John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18, He makes the statement that no man taketh my life from me, I freely give it of myself. In Matthew 20, verse 28, it says He came to give His life a ransom for many. Ransom for everybody. Jesus truly loves us. He made a statement to His apostles in John 15, and verse 13. He says, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man laid down his life for his friends. Do you consider yourself a friend of Jesus? 
Do you consider yourself to always have been doing the things that you should have been doing for Christ? You see, it really doesn't matter because He loves you regardless of what you do. God loves you. Jesus loves you. When you think about what He went through on the cross, you you read Matthew chapter 27. It's amazing what Christ went through. How He was beaten. How He was spit upon. How He was scourged. How He was laughed at. How He was mocked. And yet He did that for me and you. It was not because of the sin that He committed that He went to the cross of Calvary. It was because of my sin and because of your sin. That's why He went to the cross of Calvary. So not only does God love you and Jesus loves you, but there's a third one. The Holy Spirit loves you. The Holy Spirit loves you. When you think about the the Word that we have before us, where did it come from? The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, that the Holy Spirit moved holy men of God to write. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. The Holy Spirit has given us God's Word. And it is this Word that tells us how to live. It tells us how we're to conduct ourselves. It tells us how we're to act. It tells us where we came from and where we're going. This is God's plan. It is God's Word. Matter of fact, it really means, you know, God breathed. It is actually His Word that we, that we have before us today. God's Word. Where did it come from? Did, did man just sit down and start writing it up and, and make it come, come, to, come to pass? Nope. God inspired this Word. You, you had all these writers. In, in the New Testament, you, got, uh, you had eight writers, unless Paul is not the writer of Hebrews, then you'd have more. But you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Peter, Paul, James, and Jude. They wrote the New Testament. Now, you and I have before us. Now, we'll say we're, if we're not careful, we forget to spend the time in God's Word that we should. But Jesus loves us, the Holy Spirit loves us, God loves us, and they've given us a plan. Here's the Word. Here's what you do. Here's exactly what God's plan is for you. So many times people have a difficulty trying to figure out, you know, what, what is my life and what am I supposed to do? I'm telling you, your entire life, what it's supposed to be, is in service to God. Solomon, who was the greatest, the wisest man that ever lived, other than, I mean, of course, that doesn't include Jesus, but he was wise because God gave him that ability. But he, when you read the book of Ecclesiastes, he talked about all the things that the world has to offer. The riches, the power, the women, the prestige, and all the things that they have. But what did he say at the end? Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13. He says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. That's why we're here. Everything else is immaterial. Everything else doesn't really... I mean, it matters, but it's not as important as fearing God and keeping His commandments. You see, we all as humans, we have two options. We have two options. 
The first option is to listen to God and become obedient and to follow His Word. The second option is that we walk away from God and that we don't listen to what He has to say. But we have that option. When God created us, He could have made us beings that just automatically worshipped Him. But He didn't. He gave a choice. Go back to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. They had a choice. So, so we have this ability to choose. But here's the thing, folks. God loves us. Jesus loves us. The Holy Spirit loves us. We have a choice to make. Are we going to love Him? Christ said there's two different ways, right? Matthew 7, 13 and 14. He says, Enter ye into the straight gate, for broad is the gate, and, and um, wide is the way to lead unto destruction. And many of their be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads unto life, and few there be that find it. There's two choices. And I realize that the world tells us all the time that there's all kinds of choices. You can do whatever you want to. That's not what Jesus said. And I am going to believe what Jesus said versus what the world says. The world says that there's all kinds of ways to God. I'm not putting anybody else down, but I'm going to tell you, there's only one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, Acts 4.12, and that's Christ. You've got a decision to make. Do you want to be a New Testament Christian? Do you want to follow Jesus or do you not? Christ at the very end of His life, before He ascended to the Father in Mark 16 and verse 15, He tells His apostles, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. There's two choices. And you know, we make that decision. We make that choice. And that choice will determine our destiny. God loves us, Jesus loves us, the Spirit loves us, but we've got to be willing to become obedient. In Matthew chapter 25, Christ gives the great judgment scene, gives a picture of it, where this king comes back and and he has this judgment, and he begins to separate the sheep from the goats. He puts the sheep on one side, He puts the goats on the other, and He says to to, uh, the ones on the right-hand side, the sheep, He says, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And they said, Well, what what do we do? He said, Well, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick, you visited me. When I was in prison, you came to me. And they're like, Lord, when did we see you in any of these situations? He said, when you seen one of the least of these my brethren, and you did it to them, you did it unto me. But then to those on the left-hand side, he says the same thing, except he says, you didn't do what you should have done. You didn't feed me when I was hungry. You didn't give me something to drink when I was thirsty. You didn't visit me. You didn't do any of those things. And they said, well, we didn't, we didn't notice you, Lord. If we known it was you, we'd have done this. And no, you didn't do it to the least of these, my brethren. You wouldn't do it unto me. Therefore, depart from me, you cursed. And in verse 46, it talks about how that those will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. You know, when you stop and think about what God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit have done for us. We have been blessed beyond measure 
and have been given so much by them. It could have been that God just created man and put him on the earth and just left him to his own devices. But He didn't do that. He has given us His Word. He has told us what what it is that He wants from us. He has given us the opportunity that we can follow Him and, and be His children. We make that decision. I can tell you this, your parents never loved you as much as God loves you. Your spouse never loved you as much as God loves you. Nobody in this entire world loves you like He does. Because He knows everything about you and He still loves you. You know, so many times we're afraid to, uh, to let people really know what's going on inside of us. I mean, there's things that we hold back and, and we don't say and for good reason many times. But God knows it. And He still loves you. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 that Rick read for us. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How many of us are weak and heavy laden? How many times does the world just get you down? Because it does. But Jesus offers us to come to Him and He will take care of those burdens. Jesus wants us. God wants us. The Spirit wants us to be obedient. There's a story several years ago and um, it's not a true story, I don't believe, but but it makes a very good point. The story goes that there was a young man out in the front yard playing with his brothers and they were playing kickball. And he was on a very busy street. Well, invariably one of the brothers kicked the ball and this, this younger brother, he took off after the ball and went into the street right into oncoming traffic. Thankfully, there was a man walking down the sidewalk, a young man, and he stopped and he rescued that boy. He saved his life. Wonderful day. The little boy that had run after that ball into that road, he, he grew up and he wasn't the best of... Um, he, he didn't do the, always do the right thing. Matter of fact, he kept getting in trouble and trouble and trouble time after time and finally, he ended up, he actually committed murder. And as he goes before the judge and he's getting, you know, uh, getting ready for his uh, sentence, he, he looks at the judge and he recognizes that that judge is the one that, that rescued him years ago. He's the one that saved him from that oncoming car. And as he's standing before the judge, he looks at him and he says, Hey judge, before you render judgment, don't you remember me? I'm that little boy that you saved so many years ago. You saved me out of traffic. And the judge looks at him and says, Son, I remember that. I remember exactly that day and how that happened. He said, But on that day I was your Savior. He says, today I'm your judge. And he sends him to die because of what he had done. Y'all, today Jesus is our Savior. If you've never obeyed Him today, He's your Savior. But there's coming a day where He's not going to be the Savior. He's going to be the judge. If you're here this morning and you've never obeyed the Gospel, why not do something today? Why Why not become obedient today? The Bible teaches us that there's a plan of salvation. 
that we hear and believe the Word of God, that we uh, repent of our sins, that we confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that we're baptized for the remission of our sins. If you've never done that, why not do that today? You see, God's not asking you to run a marathon, and God's not asking you to do something extravagant. God's asking you just to to recreate the death, the burial, and the resurrection of His Son. This morning, if you've never obeyed the Gospel, would you not do that? If you've wandered away from the fold, would you not come home and make things right with God? He says that we will confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If this was the last sermon I ever preached, I've covered the things I wanted to cover. I want you to know that God loves you. I want you to know that Jesus loves you. I want you to know that the Spirit loves you. I want you to know that you've got two options. And those options are in your court. Jesus today can be your Savior. One day He will be your judge. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the things done in our bodies, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. And there's also, let me, last verse, Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, talks about how that there's coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why not do that now while He can be your Savior? This morning, if you need to come, please come as we stand as we sing.